Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back yet again to the Stump Lane Podcast. Folks, I'm very happy to be recording with you on uh, another episode of this wonderful and amazing podcast. So, everybody, I hope you're all doing well. I'm currently recording this on Sunday just because I wanted to get the recording so I can watch some cool stuff that's going on today. So, everybody, I hope you're all doing okay. Um... Not really anything else to say that, um, just, uh, doing stuff, anything, not really anything else to say at, at this point, I just really am looking forward to today, cause today is obviously Super Bowl Sunday, I'm looking forward to the flyover, which is the Plains of Fame, their museum's P51D Mustang, aka Wee Willie, and also the four demo teams from the United States Air Force, United States, well yeah, U.S. Air Force. I don't think there are any more other things. So, everybody, I hope you all enjoy it. Today, we are going to be doing another afternoon performance, this time on our CJ6A Nanjing episode, with our returning as our special guest is Hugh Hutton, and uh, along with um, Eric Johnson. So, this is going to be really fun. So, everybody, I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. I will pull it up. So... This is a one of my. It's another one of my favorite warbirds. It's actually not a warbird. It's just a little. It was a Chinese trainer built back in the fifties. So everybody, I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll uh, talk to you on the back end. Hope you all enjoy. I, I will. Um. Yeah. So just wait. Those can be in the. and I'm the proud owner of this 1973 Nanchang CJ6A. It's a Chinese trainer. Uh, they first started building them around 1958, uh, manufactured through the 80s. So it's a relatively recent design. Uh, most people Chang with the Chinese Husai 285 horse engine like I have, run anywhere from fifty to $100,000. Some people have upgraded theirs with the Russian M14P, 360 horsepower. Those can be in the high, right around 100 and, a, and up on those, so that extra horsepower gives you a little extra value. Um, I burn 15 gallons an hour, so it's pretty economical for radial engine Warbird, and uh, the, the most expensive consumable item is oil I guess I burn one quart of oil an hour um, we're going to start up on the front of this engine the first thing you're going to notice is the prop blades they do spin backwards from what you're used to on a US airplane the biggest question I get from people is uh, what's that do to me on takeoff it's like I really don't know you just mash on whatever rudder pedal it takes to keep the airplane pointing down the runway um, another unusual feature on the Nanchang, and you'll see it on the axe, are these, are these gill shutters right here. They're controllable in the cockpit, and I can control my cylinder head temperature with these. Right now, they're wide open, 
And for maximum cooling, if I'm up at altitude and I want to descend fast on a conventionally uh, conventional air-cooled engine, you got to worry about shot cooling. On this one, all i got to do is close these shutters and block off the airflow, and I can keep the cylinder head temps up so I don't super-cool the engine. Um, air intake for the carburetor. Now, what else is unusual here? The nose wheel. The nose wheel is a uh, free castering. It's not steerable. It just casters, so I steer the airplane when I taxi with differential braking. Uh, you'll notice I have U.S. style grease fittings on here. That's an upgrade from when it came over from China. They had Chinese type grease fittings, which you had to have a Chinese grease gun to service it. But we converted these to Zerk fittings last year, so it's easier to service. Uh, there are no nose gear doors, so the nose tire does hang out about halfway when the gear goes up. There are no hydraulics on this airplane other than the oil in the, that lubricates the engine. Everything is air-powered. So on the accessory case of my engine, I have two magnetos, a generator, things that you would normally expect on an on a air-cooled engine. I do have one additional item, though. It's an air pump, an air compressor. So when the engine's turning, I can build air and replenish the air that I'm using in the system. Uh, we'll walk around the airplane here. So in addition to being able to control the cylinder head temperature, this is the intake for my oil cooler, and if you come down underneath the airplane, you'll see that, that door that's hanging open. I can also adjust the opening and closing of that door. The oil cooler is actually located directly above that door. So I got long oil lines going up the fuselage to the engine. Um, we'll look at the landing gear while we're down here. This is, uh, if you're familiar with Citation Jets, it's a trailing link landing gear. Um, which as an aviator, as a pilot, you want trailing link landing gear because they make every single landing a perfect landing. They, they absorb a lot of shock. If you screw up and plop it in, these landing gear make you look like a hero. Uh, I do have oddball uh, metric size tires, so I, I, I only have one source I can buy tires from. We're up here. Um, when the gear is down, I've got these visual indicator pegs that they pop out and they tell me the gear's down. And if you look to the right, I got one for the nose gear, and on the other wing, I got one for the left gear. When the gear is up, those pegs go away. I also have uh, lamps in the cockpit that also tell me when the gear is up and down. We start, stop right here. We got the fuel fill. I only have two fuel tanks. Uh, there's no left, right, or both. It's just feeding both at the same time to a header tank. It is an aerobatic airplane, so these tanks feed to a header. I only hold 40 gallons, so I've got about two hours of range. The uh, uh, interesting note, the Yak that has 100 more horsepower only holds 32 gallons, so he's got about an hour and a half range. So um, another feature for the Nanchang versus the Yak, you look at smooth rip flush riveted. If you look at a Yak, it's all got the bump head like Cherry Mac style rivets everywhere. So the Yak has got me in takeoff and climb performance, but in cruise performance, I'll walk past him because my airplane's more aerodynamic than a Yak. You also, the, the difference between the Nanchang and the Yak, you see the wings bent kind of like a an F4U Corsair, it's got a little bitty bend in the wing, whereas a Yak is a straight wing with almost zero dihedral. Uh, we'll walk around the airplane and see I've got the UAVionics, this is the ADS-B in. On the other side I've got the UAVionics ADS-B out, an economical ADS-B solution. The airframe is monocoque construction, which most of you are familiar with, uh, all aluminum, except for the flight controls. The flight controls are fabric covered, so the aileron is fabric covered. I have a ground adjustable trim tab for the ailerons. Um, we'll discuss the flaps in a little bit when I get in the cockpit. Come back here behind the rear cockpit, when we imported these airplanes from China, 
most of them came over here 20, 25 years ago. This bay right here was full of Chinese tube-type avionics, weighed a whole lot. So in the U.S., when we imported, we got all the Chinese radios out, put our U.S. avionics, and it makes the airplanes quite nose-heavy. So to counteract that, a lot of owners will put uh, ballast in the tail, about 20 pounds of ballast in the tail, but rather than add weight to my airplane, because weight is horsepower, what I did was I rearranged some of the stuff that was already in the airplane. So I added a five and a half gallon smoke oil tank, which is in this bay, and I also kept a gill style US airplane 24 volt battery because they're very heavy. All I did was take the battery from its normal location, which was here, I moved it back with the smoke oil to modify the center of gravity and make the airplane uh, fall in the envelope. A lot of uh, Nanchang owners will throw away that gill battery and go with a less expensive option. They'll do two 12-volt, like an Optima battery, and automotive style, but they're very light. <coughs> Pardon me, but I kept the gill battery for the weight, so I didn't have to have ballast in the tail. Now, we'll come around to the back of the airplane. It's very conventional. Um, they're balanced elevator. You can see how, how smooth it is. It's push rod control. Again, fabric control or fabric control services on the elevator, trim tabs, and fabric on the rudder. Uh, I have a ground adjustable trim tab for the rudder, and if you look at this carefully, it's biased towards lots of left rudder, because remember, torque and P-factor on the takeoff roll, I'm standing on the left rudder versus you got US aviators are used to standing on the right rudder. And this is actually adjusted for neutral stability in straight and level cruise flight where I don't have to step on a rudder pedal. We'll come around here. All Nanchang and Yak owners will have a scuba tank in their hangar for maintenance purposes. And if you're doing maintenance, gear swings and all that, and you're not running the engine, this port is where you can service the air. So it's been upgraded. We took out the Chinese fitting, put in a US style straighter valve and you connect a hose from your scuba tank to here and you can replenish the air in the system. Um, why a scuba tank, you might ask? Well, this airplane operates a maximum of 70 atmospheres. Mine is set up to run uh, at 45 atmospheres. We don't run it at max, which is gonna be over 500 PSI. You can't find a air compressor in any mechanics hangar at any airport that's gonna have an air compressor that can make that kind of air. So I'm good buddies with the scuba shop in Mansfield, Texas. He loves me because I come in and we talk airplane stuff instead of instead of uh, scuba diving. Um, what do I have here? I got this is the fill port for my oil, my smoke oil. Um, this used to be a ground power to, to start the airplane. Now I just have a little pigtail in here for my uh, battery tender. And because we took out all the avionics, if I open up this bay, we, that empty space there has been converted to a baggage compartment. All right, to step up on the airplane. Oh, before we leave here, this is kind of a neat trick. The air, I've got a primary air bottle and an emergency air bottle. This hatch, if I was to unscrew this screw, there's a round spherical bottle up there. That's the emergency bottle at the annual maintenance. It's got a screw, a nut on the bottom. I can take the nut out and drain any water out of the system. But the Chinese have designed this little flap here. I can, if I fold the flap the other way, I can close this hatch all the way. I have it open intentionally because it helps evacuate any fumes out of the cockpit. On my airplane, if, if I turn on the smoke and pull any positive G's, I can get a little bit of smoke in the cockpit. This helps pull it out of the cockpit. Pretty neat. Uh, 
to get on the airplane, we got this spring-loaded step that's held on with a safety wire here. Got the handhold here. Jump right up on the wing lock. It is a training airplane, so the rear cockpit is set up for the flight instructor. The front cockpit is for the student. And the flight instructor can do everything on the airplane except for start it. Uh, I've got parachutes sitting in mine because, again, it is an aerobatic airplane. Uh, in the cockpit, we have a row of switches, master, generator, ignition. I don't have impulse couplings on my mag. On this airplane, it's got what's called a shower of sparks to help the engine start. My gear lights, instrument power, turn and bank, and a lot of in-ops. I don't use the oil, thin oil thinner. They, you can actually add fuel to the oil to thin it in really cold starts. And my oil temperature, I can read inlet or outlet temperature. And we're going to start on the far right of the cockpit. From the back to the forward, i got a primary. It's a, a typical primer like you find in an airplane. It's a plunger. It takes about three plunges to fill the bowl with fuel, you can tell. And to start my airplane, it takes three full shots of prime, whether it's hot or cold. You even prime it when it's hot. We move forward. These switches don't do anything. They're labeled in up. This is the old original Chinese ADF receiver, and uh, it's just there for looks. It doesn't do anything. Got my headset plug in. Remember, we talked about a main and emergency air bottle. If for some reason I develop a leak on the main air and I can't get the gear down, flip this handle over and open this valve. It's just a valve. I turn it counterclockwise and it'll open up the emergency air bottle and it's plumbed directly to the landing gear and it'll blow the gear down for me. And if there's any air left in the system, uh, it will operate my brakes, which we'll talk about in a minute. I've got uh, a mechanical fuel pump. I wobble that up to get fuel pressure on it before I prime it. Once the engine's running, I got an engine-driven fuel pump. So you can imagine if my engine-driven fuel pump quits in flight, I'm very busy because I'm pumping fuel and I'm flying and trying to use the brakes here. Uh, it would be quite interesting. Uh, we talked about the oil cooler door underneath the airplane, and this is this knob is how I can open and close that door. This gauge right here, it reads 50 atmospheres. That's how much air pressure is in my emergency bottle. And I have a my great hanger neighbor 3D printed me this cool little headset holder. Got my avionics master switch. We've added a voice-activated intercom, which in this noisy environment is very important. Um, and I can manually adjust the squelch on that. Um, we'll come up and we'll show you something unusual, the fuel gauge right here. It, it measures minutes remaining of fuel. So if you look in here, i got 48 minutes remaining in my right tank. I switch to the left tank. I have 35 minutes of fuel left in the left tank. Remember, I burn 15 gallons an hour, and I hold 40 gallons. So when I completely fill the airplane, it starts out with 60, 60, 120 minutes. And then it'll stay 60, 60 for about 20 minutes, and then, then it'll start coming down. And they're very, very accurate. And when the fuel gets really low, you don't want to see these. Uh, the low fuel light for the left tank, low fuel light for the right tank, they'll turn, they, they light up red. Uh, I've seen them flicker on and off once or twice, and that's no fun. Luckily, I was in the pattern ready to land. Um, DG here is NOP, the old Chinese DG. Whatever this Chinese instrument was, it doesn't work, it's labeled NOP. Come over here, we've got the uh, triple gauge with oil temp, oil uh, fuel pressure, oil pressure, and showing my limits, 
marked on the glass. Um, these are Chinese National Search My Vertical Speed Indicator, which, see, that's what that says and right there. So so we've taken U.S. labels and labeled them so the us U.S. pilots know what it says. Um, I think it's reading meters per second. I don't know. We just call it potatoes. If it's going up, you're going up. If it's pointing down, you're going down. Um, voltmeter, it's a 24-volt system or a 28-volt, whatever you want to call it, because when, when the generator's on, it's generating 28 volts. Obviously, the generator light's on right now because I don't have the engine turning. We've got a G-meter. It is an aerobatic airplane, plus 6, minus 4 Gs. I do gentleman aerobatics only, loops, rolls, stuff like that. I try to keep my envelope to no more than plus 3, 3 Gs. Turn and bank. And the original Chinese artificial horizon failed on my airplane, so when I chunked it, that saved about 12 pounds. I upgraded to this nice lightweight GRT, which, which has navigation in it. It's got my airspeed tape, my altimeter tape. So I pretty much got everything I need right here in this little guy right here. It's a pretty neat little instrument. Um, the altimeter was converted to U.S., so I'm measuring in feet instead of meters. The airspeed indicator is metric, so when I learned to fly this airplane, the owner that taught me to fly says, don't do the math to convert to knots or miles per hour, just fly the numbers. The, the most important number in the Nanchang is 150, 150 potatoes, whatever you want to call the amount. Um, when you're in the pattern and you've got the power off, doing a 360 overhead approach, whatever, don't go below 150 or you'll stall the airplane. It works out to about 75, 78 knots. So it lands about the same speed as most conventional spam can type airplanes. Uh, we'll come back now. We got cylinder head temperature with the, again with the limits marked there. RPM gauge. It's a relatively slow turning engine. Takeoff power, um, 2350 RPM. Climb power. I pull it back to 2200 RPM. And for cruise, 1900 to 2000 RPM. So it's not a very fast turning engine. Um, this guy right here is my low oil pressure light. Obviously, the engine's not on, so that's lit up. This guy right here is my manifold pressure. I, uh, it's, it's metric. I'm not sure the, the quantity. All I know is that at sea level, it, it's, uh, the, the Husai engine is lightly supercharged. Um, so at sea level, almost where we're at, I'll, I'll read about 820 potatoes at takeoff. And as you go up in altitude, obviously, your manifold pressure will start dropping as the pressure outside drops and we've talked about the gills outside and here's my gill I can open and close the gill shutters on the front of the engine remember I control the cylinder head temp with that so got that control right there in addition to the landing gear pegs on the wing and the nose I have the three green lights that indicate my gear is down and locked if I hit the press to test it's kind of weird if your gear is up and locked up it shows red so that's not what you would normally expect to see in an airplane as red lights, but that just tells me my landing gear is up. Uh, the magneto switch on my airplane is backwards from what you're used to. Fully clockwise is zero, the mags are off, and I have to rotate my counterclockwise to mag one, mag two, and mag one plus two, which you would normally see both on your US airplane. So two mags, my mag check, but it's, it's counterclockwise to turn the mags on. This guy right here covered up is my start button. All it does is it opens up a valve on the firewall that sends air to a spider valve. Remember, there's no hydraulics. I don't have an electric starter. It's air start. 
So I get about three three tries to get this thing started, and if I if I can't get it started in about three times, I'm going to have to bring the scuba bottle out. Um, I have converted to automotive plugs, so if, luckily, thankfully, with automotive plugs, this thing starts like a dream. Um, there's no squat switch in the landing gear. If I were to open up the air bottle and raise this lever, this airplane would sit on the ground. So there's there's no emergency uh, idiot proof on the landing gear on this. So yeah, I've got this pin that keep, prevents the landing gear from going up past neutral. Uh, the gear is really weird because in gear down, when I turn the air pressure on, it pressurizes the downside of the actuators that bring the gear up and down. After I take off, I unlock the gear pin here and I bring the gear handle to through neutral to gear up. That pressurizes the upside of the gear cylinder, brings the landing gear up. Once the landing gear is all the way up and tucked away, I can put the gear lever back in neutral, which takes all air off the system, and there's hooks that the gear actually hangs on. It's hanging on hooks. So what this means is when you come in to land, you actually have to pressurize the system before you select down, because remember in neutral, all air goes away on the wheel cylinders, so if I were to select down from neutral, the, the gear would come crashing down. And I've done that three times in the two and a half years of aircraft ownership, and it's, it's quite terrifying because the landing gear assemblies are heavy, and they come crashing down quite violently. So you know your gear's down. Um, so the correct way to put the gear down in this airplane is select gear up, which pressurizes the upside, then select down, and you'll have a nice controlled extension of the landing gear. All right, so the pin, make sure the pin's in. We'll come down the left side. On the firewall, I have a master fuel shutoff. That's what this lever is. The fuel's on or off. So if you have a fire in flight, you can shut the fuel off and deal with it. Um, here is my carburetor heat. Carburetor heat off is all the way back. Carburetor heat on is forward. There we go. Uh, my main air bottle, which if I turn my main air on, I got about 32 atmospheres in there. This is my elevator trim wheel. And the only indicator I have for the elevator trim, watch this light. I, keep, I usually run it all the way up in about 10 turns down. See the green light come on? That means that's takeoff trim. So that, that's it for, for the only indicator I got for the trim. We'll come back uh, to the throttle quadrant. I've got the prop control, prop forward, which is high RPM, back is lower RPM, so that's conventional to what you would expect for an airplane with a controllable prop. I got my throttle here, forward, aft. The, the top button on the throttle doesn't do anything on my airplane. There's a button right below it that you can't see. That's my push to talk for my transmitter on my radio. The weird one that'll blow your mind is the mixture. It's backwards from what you would see on a U.S. airplane. Full aft is rich. Full forward is lean. This airplane does not have a mixture idle cutoff, so when I turn the airplane off, I turn it off with the magnetos. So it's very important before you touch the propeller on this airplane, just as it is on any airplane, is come in here and make sure the magnetos are off. Because when I'm, when I'm at altitude cruising on a cross country, I, I actually have this mixture full forward to, to lean the engine out properly for economy, but uh, it won't turn the engine off with the mixture. But that, that's a little mind-boggling that that's backwards to some people. Um, if you look on the left wall here, these are cartridge holders for a flare. The Chinese students could actually launch different colored flares when they come into the pattern. Which And there's an, actually a flare gun holder on the ground 
but I do not have a flare gun in this airplane. Um, the flap control works like the gear. It's down, neutral, and flaps up. And we'll demonstrate that in a minute. I have a friction lock for the throttle quadrant, so you're familiar with friction locks, so it doesn't vibrate, you know. They stay where you put them with the friction lock on. The uh, back here is my smoke system, which I added. Uh, if you flip the switch forward, it's continuous on. You flip the switch aft, the system is armed, and I can I do puffs of smoke with that little button there. Here's my main air bottle on and off. I have the air on. And let's come back to the stick. You might have seen it in the video already. I got a bicycle grip type handle on the stick. That's my brake. Um, it's hard to see in this lighting, but this airplane doesn't have a rudder pedal. It's got a rudder bar. There's no brakes. There's no tow brakes on it. So the bar, all that's connected to is my rudder. So since it's not connected to the nose wheel assembly, it's, it's really easy to move. And the way the brakes work on this airplane is if you have the rudder within 16 degrees of centered, you'll have equal braking on the left and right brake. All I do is squeeze this handle. I don't know if you can hear that noise on, on the video, but that's the brakes applied. Brakes are released. If I want differential braking, I, I brake that 16 degree plane. The harder I push on the rudder bar to the left is the more braking it will apply to the left brake and vice versa on the right brake. I do have a parking brake on this airplane. That was an aftermarket modification. It's this little plastic ring and it holds the brake on for me. Um, so my procedure on this airplane when I start it, first thing I do is I turn the air on and set the brake. You want your brakes on when the engine starts, so that's very important. If you run your airplane out of air in the field, you can hand prop it. Uh, but remember, if you're out of air, you're out of brakes. So if you hand prop one of these things, you better be tied down and in the chocks. Um, this was added US, I got uh, Garmin, GPS com, transponder mode C. I've added a USB charge port for my iPad. My iPad usually rides up here. I know that lighting is going to be weird. Um, I've got it configured for my cell phone right now, but I got another mount for this MyGo flight mount, which is really nice. And uh, I'll stick my iPad mini up there. And I can actually see over the nose with the iPad mini. And that's my moving map. So with the iPad, with the GRT and the Garmin, I've actually got three GPSs in here, but my moving map, I rely on my cell phone or my iPhone for the moving map. Um, I'm gonna have Eric step down and we're gonna demonstrate the flaps. Well, I've got the air bottle turned on. So you, you saw the peg on the wing for the landing gear that's telling me the gear's down. There's another peg behind that. See that little red button? That's telling me the flaps are up. I'm gonna deploy the flaps. That tells me the flaps are down. And it's kind of like a DC-3 flap. It's one big barn door, except for the flaps on this airplane are drag only. I do not deploy flaps, which they're down or up. There's no in-between. I don't deploy flaps until I've got the runway made with the power off. And then I'll put the flaps out, and it's a giant speed brake. But then I'll put the flaps... There you go. And then I put the flap position, the flap handle in and that's it and if i'll have eric step in the back cockpit i'm going to leave the, the master switch on to show you what a chinese this, this is really weird the artificial horizon this is this is the original one in the back seat it's chinese i actually had to power it up it's electric you hear the generator come on now check this out the sky is blue or is brown 
in the Chinese and Russian artificial horizons. So the sky is brown, the ground is this bluish green. So that, uh, a pilot that's normally used to a US style artificial horizon is gonna get in this and go, what the heck? Um, so it's just a little differences check out you need when you check out in a Nanshang or a Yak, because there are some differences between our US airplanes. Um, the back cockpit while we're in here, the flight instructor can do everything that the student can do, except start it. But he's got an extra button on top of this stick, and you see I've got mine safety off? That button is a gotcha button. If the flight instructor were to mash that in, it releases all pressure from the brakes. Um, I have no idea why the Chinese did designed that in the system. It's not in the pilot operator's handbook, but uh, I have disabled mine because in my airplane, that's where the passengers sit. You know, the passenger could hurt me if they touch things that they're not supposed to touch. But uh, uh, it's an experimental exhibition airplane. They're, they're not normal category. They're imported. All of these are licensed experimental exhibition. And um, that's about all I got, Eric. Well, thanks for showing us your airplane, Pew. You. You're quite welcome. We'll go fly. <laughs>